Live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with my good friend, John Beeler. We've got a pretty cool program for you today. We are Canada's number one tech show, tech radio show. Uh, later on, uh, we'll be talking uh, a little bit about vintage video gaming. Uh, John, you brought one of your old Vectrex video game consoles into the studio, and, and everyone just loves it. It's yes. like from 1983. Yes, but there's a, a new twist on it that we'll talk about. This is a, a really cool console because it, back in the day, it was revolutionary because it had a built-in screen. Back when most people only had one TV in their house. Yeah. yeah. And you loved it because, I mean, you probably never got to use the TV when you wanted to. Never. No. So having a video game console with its own screen. I never left my room. <laughs> we'll also be talking about internet in the home. How to get rid of some of those dead spots. Uh, we've uh, got a guest on from Eero. They make uh, some really cool mesh router systems. That's right. And uh, we'll be talking about some tips on how to make internet work everywhere in your house. And to make sure you get fast internet as well. We've got so many connected devices now, John. Like I think I have about 75 connected devices in my house. Yes. Vacuums, lights, TVs. Pretty much anything with a battery or an outlet or a plug. Yeah has internet capabilities nowadays. Exactly. And that kind of plugs up the Wi-Fi routers. So if you've got an old Wi-Fi router, it might be time to start looking at upgrading, especially if you're getting more connected. And especially if you're using the one provided to you by your internet service provider. Yes. They're okay, but they're not giving you the top top of the line, no. t- typically. And you're not even getting to use all the bandwidth that you're paying for. And, uh, John, you went on a little road trip. Uh, things are kind of opening up more with the US you went down on a road trip to Seattle yes with your electric car so yeah I'm, I'm fascinated to hear how that went yeah my first big road trip yeah with my car and we'll find out if he ran out of electricity anywhere spoiler I didn't <laughs> let's get to some of the tech news here John uh, this is interesting uh, I saw an article uh, on Daily Hive uh, about Starlink and uh, that's uh, Elon Musk's satellite internet company that provides high-speed internet service via satellite to rural communities. Well, it looks like the BC government uh, is looking at uh, low-Earth satellite internet as an option for getting internet access to uh, people that don't have it up north. Right, the more in any rural community. Rural communities, yeah, for sure. So, but it's interesting, like because you look at some of the numbers, and it it sounds like. You know, there's high-speed internet to the majority of people in in British Columbia anyway. I think it's over 90%. Uh, But when you start digging down in those numbers, um, only 40% of BC communities actually have high-speed internet because when they're looking at those numbers, that's just like population. Right. So like Vancouver or Kamloops or Kelowna, I mean, they're covered, right? They've got fiber and what have you. You You have choices. Yeah. But when you get to some of these... Uh, northern communities, they just, in many cases, don't have it at all. So, I mean, the population is not great there, so it kind of skews the numbers, right? Right. So, Starlink uh, has come out over the past couple of years, and it's been a godsend for some people. Uh, your friend uh, in Ontario, I think, Prince Edward? Prince Edward County, yeah. Yeah. Dale. He, he got it installed, and it changed his life. Yeah, because he was trying to run a business remotely yes. uh, in, in a rural community and he was dealing with really substandard internet. And so the advantage here is that on average, and this was tested by a third-party company, Ookla, 
Starlink customers would get about 100 megabit download speeds, which is pretty fast. Yeah. And from the numbers, they said that that's on average 10 megabits faster compared to other land-based solutions in Canada. I know that, you know, a lot of us can get fiber, you know, 10 times that speed, but not everyone can, John. No, no. Even in surprisingly uh, populated areas, like even in the Vancouver area, there's pockets where you can't even get fiber. No, no. Uh, What's interesting, the BC government, again, said, you know, they're going to be looking at this as an option to service those, uh, those communities that don't have high speed and they would be like negotiating a good rate. Right. I'm just like, I don't think you'll be able to. Well, it's so in demand, you know what I mean? Yeah, th- that's been the problem with the chip shortage and everything else that's been going on and, you know, the newness of this technology, the demand has far outstripped the availability. And so on the heels of that that article, John, you sent me an article today yeah. basically saying S- SpaceX, uh, which runs the Starlink internet service, they're raising their prices. <laughs> in, yeah, in Canada, actually, like uh, in the U.S. as well. Yeah, and they're and they're claiming inflation, so they're they're jacking things up by about eleven bucks per month. Yeah. So it's about one hundred and forty bucks per month, Canadian, Canadian. And the the kit you have to buy um, used to be six forty nine. Now at, now it's about seven fifty nine. Yeah, that adds up, eh? Yeah. So you have to buy. You have to buy all the hardware, like yeah. the little dish, like a receiver. Yeah, and yeah. and then you you're paying 140 bucks a month for this service. Now, if you live somewhere where you don't have any service at all, you'll pay whatever it takes. Yeah, but some people like some people can't afford 140 bucks a month, John. No. So hopefully, uh, the government will come up with plans to potentially subsidize that. And yeah, it it it's probably going to be cheaper than having to actually install like fiber lines well, I mean, in that, some of these places. That, that's that's what Starlink's promise is, is that you don't have to install infrastructure because infrastructure is A, expensive to install, yeah. but it also is uh, expensive to maintain. Okay, we've got a great show coming up for you today here on Get Connected. Later on, we'll be talking about John's electric car journey down the U.S. Did he run out of out of steam anywhere? We'll find out. Uh, but up next, internet in the home, choosing the, white wi- the right Wi-Fi router. Back after this. You're back with the program. I'm Mike Agarbo and John Beeler in studio today. Well, uh, you know, I, I would have to say that internet is an integral part of our lives and uh, super important that you have uh, great access, especially in the home. But uh, in a lot of homes, there are dead spots uh, that we're always trying to correct. Uh, and that's why we're uh, looking at uh, a lot of new technologies like mesh router technology. On the line, we've got a great guest. His name is Nick Weaver. He's one of the founders uh, behind Eero, a, uh, a router company that uh, makes some great uh, mesh network routers. Thanks for joining us, Nick. Thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, really interesting story with uh, you. I mean, there are uh, a lot of router companies out there that I, you know, people are familiar with over the years, like the, the D-Links and the Linksys and the TP-Links uh, of, of the world. Uh, how long have you guys been uh, around and, and why did you start this company? Yeah, so we started Eero back in 2014. So we've been at it a, a few years here. And, uh, you know, the whole um, thesis for the company is um, our homes are becoming increasingly more connected and the foundation of all of that is having a great network and so back in 2014 we set out to build the first home wi-fi system so instead of having one box uh in in you know one part of your house 
Um, the whole premise is to have multiple units that go throughout your home so that you're always near a, uh, an Eero device and have really strong, reliable connectivity um, everywhere you go. It's interesting. I, I'm I'm familiar with you guys. When you guys came out, um, all the nerds, uh, uh, you know, we were pretty excited about the the technology you're bringing. But you obviously caught uh, the eye of uh, one of the big guys, Amazon, as well. When did they come uh, on board with you guys? Yeah, we were acquired uh, by Amazon back in 2019. So it's been a little over three years of um, you know working alongside Amazon to um, really grow the business and reach a lot more customers. So let's talk about the routers uh, now. Um, you know, we try to educate our listeners uh, all the time uh, about how to get uh, better Wi-Fi in their homes and, and offices. And, uh, you know, mesh networks are uh, an important part of that. Uh, you know, explain to the listeners out there again what a mesh network is uh, for those who, you know, are still trying to understand that. Yeah, so what a mesh network does is, again, instead of having a, a single router, single device providing um, Wi-Fi connectivity for the home, it allows you to use multiple units seamlessly. So it appears as one Wi-Fi network. And those units um, communicate with one another um, to uh, you know provide internet connectivity to each of the units. And it does that, um, at least for an ERA system, either over um, Wi-Fi. So we have some special Wi-Fi mesh technology called TrueMesh that connects all the Eero units. So you get super fast connectivity between each Eero so they can provide um, really reliable, fast connectivity to you know all the different devices in your home like laptops and phones and cameras, um, streaming media players. Um, or those devices, the Eero devices can also connect with, um, with ethernet uh, if you have that in your home. So wired or wireless, um, it doesn't matter. Um, the system figures it out automatically and gives you one, you know, network name across your whole home um, that devices can connect to seamlessly. So you uh, sell these in, in packs. Uh, you know, uh, I'm looking at uh, the the Eero Six Plus here, uh, which I think is your um, uh, most affordable uh, pack system here. Uh, how how big of a home can they they cover? Like a, a two pack uh, and a three pack. Yeah, so uh, um, looking at the, the 6 Plus, um, a, a single unit can cover about 1,500 square feet. Um, a three, a two-pack can cover about 3,000 square feet, um, and a three-pack can cover about 4,500 square feet. And that's all, you know, dependent on your home construction. Like if you've got a lot of, um, you know, maybe maybe you did an addition and you've got a bunch of interior brick walls, um, then you know your coverage might be a little bit lower um, or you know you might have really big rooms um, and not a lot of obstructions and your coverage might be be greater at all it's very dependent on home construction um, so the the coverage guidelines of you know 1500 to 4500 square feet are kind of on average um, and then everybody can uh, you know go through the setup um, test out the system, kind of move things around. The app gives you really great feedback as to whether or not you've placed a device in a good spot to um, provide really good connectivity. Uh, so what are the, the worst kind of walls <laughs> for Wi-Fi signals to get through? Um, you know, anything um, with a lot of material. So like lath and plaster walls where you've got um, multiple materials and wire mesh, like those are... Uh, really challenging for wireless signals. Um, 
you know, kind of standard drywall um, construction usually uh, is a lot, um, it's usually a lot easier for um, wireless signals to get through. And you're saying brick's not great either. <laughs> yeah, brick, uh, brick can cause some problems. Uh, okay, so we're talking about, uh, you've got uh, the 6 plus system here, and you've got like one, two, and, and three packs here. And I guess, you know, if you've got an even bigger house or a, a larger area to cover, you can add additional, uh, uh, what, what do you call these things, little base stations? Yeah, just um, Eros. Yeah. Uh, and so you also have uh, a system now that takes advantage of uh, the latest Wi-Fi technology, uh, and I believe that's called uh, the six six E. Yeah, correct. So we've got we have two new systems that we're launching this week. Um, one is the the uh, Eero Pro Six E. So that is a tri-band system, um, and it uh, works in six gigahertz. So there's new spectrum that's been opened up for Wi-Fi. Um, it used to be you know 2.4 and 5 gigahertz. Now 6 gigahertz is being open for uh, wireless connectivity. And what's exciting about that is it's clean spectrum with minimal interference. So it provides a really fast lane for wireless traffic. Um, and so that's what the new Pro 6E system takes advantage of. Um, and then we have the, the 6 Plus uh, which is our new upgraded uh, uh, system that's now gigabit class. So it's about double the performance of the um, Eero 6 system, and uh, you know, can provide gigabit connectivity uh, at our most affordable price ever. And just for the listeners out there, uh, gigabit is the uh, the amount of speed uh, that the, the data can travel at, and uh, a lot of the internet service providers are providing uh, speeds uh, into your home. Uh, so having the right type of router like like an Eero or, or you know the other gigabit routers out there will give you the maximum speed to all the devices uh, that are uh, in your, your house as well. So uh, gigabit, uh, you know, a lot of internet service providers are calling it fiber uh, as uh, as well it's interesting with the um uh, the 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 pro version with the 6e connection you talked about that uh, extra frequency there uh you know in the past uh, you know the beginning of these wi-fi routers we saw 2.4 gigahertz you know it was great at the time because you had wireless internet but it did interfere with a lot of things like wireless controllers microwaves and things like that Five gigahertz came out as well, and uh, that was even better because there was less interference. But uh, this this new six uh, gigahertz, uh, you know, offers, uh, I guess, like you're saying, even more uh, a cleaner uh, pathway for the data. Yeah, it's it's um, you know newly open spectrum, so um, there's minimal minimal uh, interference, and um, devices are still coming online. Um, uh, that can connect to six gigahertz. So um, for the time being, it, it, it's a it's going to be a really uh, fast and reliable uh, channel, um, and should be um, you know great for uh, just improving Wi-Fi performance for uh, most customers. Uh, so just so it's clear, uh, the devices uh, that you have in the house, whether that's like a, a phone or uh, what have you, a TV, they they would have to have that built in the six E capability, correct? Correct. So um, new devices are starting to roll out that support um, six gigahertz. There's some um, phones, some laptops um, that already have it today, um, and we expect that to continue to um, uh, proliferate through you know this year and next year. Um, so if you're buying a, a Pro 60 system, it's it's uh, 
it, you'll get really great performance and you also get a little bit of um, future proofing um, and making sure the, the network is ready to go as your devices start upgrading. Um, that, that frequency though is also really good for how the EROs talk to each other and form that, that mesh network. So um, even if you don't have a, a device that supports six gigahertz, um, those EROs can then talk to each other between um, six gigahertz connections which means they'll get a super fast connection between each other, and then it can talk to, you know, the devices on 2.4 or 5 gigahertz. We're talking with Nick Weaver. Uh, he's uh, the man over at uh, Eero. Uh, they uh, make uh, wireless mesh router systems for your home to uh, help alleviate the dead spots and also to take advantage of all the connected devices we have now uh, as well. I think I have uh, several dozen uh, connected devices in my home, so having the right type of router uh, will definitely increase the performance of everything. Where can people find out more information uh, about these, Nick? Uh, you can head to our website, just uh, www.ero.com. That's E-E-R-O. And, uh, you know, tons of information about the new systems and um, how uh, having an Eero system in your home will give you, you know, super fast, reliable connectivity in every, every corner. Thanks again for joining us, Nick. Thanks for having me. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. We're Canada's number one tech radio program. Don't forget to visit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got all our radio podcasts up there, including our sister show, The App Show, and also tons of great YouTube videos uh, as well. Uh, we've done a, a great series on some of the new Apple uh, gear and uh, features that have been announced, inclu- including their universal control feature for people in the Apple universe. And uh, Robin, uh, one of our contributors, has done a great review on the new iPad Air. Should you upgrade or not? have to watch to find out. John, I want to talk about your journey. Yes. You were away for several days. Uh, you actually do a lot of stuff because <laughs> I have to do it all when you're not here. So <laughs> that's, that's right. Don't go anywhere again ever. Um, but I wanted to talk to you because you have an electric car now, a Kia. Yeah. Kia Soul. Which you love. It's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have a Tesla and I, I was interested because with Tesla, they've got their Tesla superchargers kind of yeah. everywhere. And those those are nice because they're level three. So they're like a fire hose of yeah. charge when you yeah. get hooked up. But I'm just wondering, like, what's it like uh, if you don't have a Tesla? Right. And, you know, how good is the charging network as you're out there? In Canada, it's kind of building up. But I was curious. You went down to Seattle. How did you find it? I was very pleasantly surprised. Okay. The, the apparently the whole West Coast is uh, connected in that way. There is uh, in Canada we have Electrify Canada, which typically you'll find like at a Petro Canada or somewhere else, yeah. and you you pay for uh, a level three charge. Yeah. And they're they're usually beautiful little um, charging areas that are at like the end of a or back end of a parking lot. Yeah. And a lot of times in a buy a mall or yeah, restaurants. Yeah. yeah. So there's usually something to do while you're while you're charging. Although when you're on a level three charger, it can be very quick. Yes. But um, my concern was in the States, A, I didn't have an American account for Electrify America. Oh, yeah. And B, I wasn't sure how uh, spread out they would be. So I had to do I had to do a little bit of figuring out like, okay, well, how far can I get on one charge before I need to stop? Yes. Now there's apps that can help you with that. Um a better route planner, PlugShare can help you find lots of different uh, charging stations. But ultimately, I ended up just going to Electrify America's app, and I was able to install it. 
There's a little gotcha with their particular app, though, that I had to figure out. Okay. When you're setting up your payment information, yep. it will not accept your postal code because it's expecting a zip code. Oh, my God. So what did you do? Did well, you give it a fake one? No, no, no. There's actually like a legitimate workaround for this. And this works on anything, not okay. just Electrify America. If you ever have to put in your postal code and it's only accepting a zip code, you just take the numbers from your postal code yeah. and put zeros at the end, two zeros at the end. Really? Yeah. And that works? That works. Okay. So you don't have to put 90210 anymore. That's what I... <laughs> but the problem is if you put in a fake one, a lot of times, you know, with your credit card, it's not going to accept it. That's why you have to have the numbers that are actually in your postal code in there and you add some zeros to the end. Why don't they just make it so it accepts the... I don't know. Okay. So anyway, you figured that out. You got your credit card in there yeah. into the app. Uh, so and- the, the big thing, the big surprise for me was there's, these stations are everywhere. Really? Like, so in Vancouver... I actually, I actually crossed the border at Aldergrove, which is Linden, Washington. Yeah, that's about 40 minutes outside of Vancouver. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty close to Bellis Fair, which is kind of where everyone in Vancouver goes to to go shopping. In Bellingham. Yeah, in Bellingham. And the closest charge point was actually in Mount Vernon, which is maybe about 30 minutes on the border south. Yep. It's um, a bit of a drive. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. I, I sailed past that, no problem. Yeah. I actually went to the, the premium outlets, which is in Marysville. Of course. <laughs> which is maybe a little bit more than halfway, maybe even two-thirds of the way to Seattle. Okay. I was able to get there, no problem, on my on my car. And they have five or six stalls. Level three? All level three. Yeah. And you're at a outlet mall, so you can get food, you can go shopping. Everything was a little quiet. Washington had just released... Uh, lifted their mask mandate. Yeah. But uh, this was a Tuesday morning too. So it was a little quiet, but yeah. Um, So I charged there for, I think 45 minutes, maybe an hour. Let's just quickly uh, talk about, um, we keep talking about level three chargers. Yeah. So level one would be your regular 110 outlet. Which is how I normally charge at home. And level two, I've installed that in my house and I, it's like the next level up. So I can charge my car up full in like four or five hours. Yeah. Um, which is cool, but if you're traveling, you don't want to sit there charging for four or five hours. No. So no. level three ups that to I mean, under an hour. I mean, unless you're in a mall or something where you can spend half the or, day or there. your hotel has. Right. Has that, which right. a lot of hotels have level two chargers. Some do, yeah. Yeah. If, if the hotel has a charger, typically it's level two. Typically, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the level three, um, depending what kind of car and how fast that level three is, you could get a full charge or you know, up to 80% charge in like half an hour. Easily, yeah. Easily. And I, I will say, I've used a lot of the chargers in Canada. Yeah. The ones in the States, for whatever reason, I was getting way more throughput on the power. Really? Like a lot more. My car's capable up to 100 kilowatt per hour yeah. of juice. Yeah. Most of the time, though, on level two or three chargers up here, I'm getting maybe 20, 20, it was kind of 25, I think it was kind of the max that I had seen. Yeah. Down there, I was getting 35, 40. Like okay. a lot more. So it was a lot faster. Was that because there was no one else at the chargers? Uh, I don't Maybe. think so. Yeah. No, because I, cause I went, to, went to Whistler a few weeks ago and yeah. we, I stopped in Squamish and charged there at the, an Electrify Canada yeah. charger and there was nobody else there and I didn't get that fast of charge. So the costs, I only had to charge roughly once a day. We did a lot of driving in Seattle, but each time I stopped to charge, it was roughly about $7 US. So let's say 10 bucks. It's not bad. 
Yeah. That's cheaper than my truck that I just got. Yeah. <laughs> I, I bought a new trailer and I had to get like a a Dodge Ram 1500 with the so you can V8 Hemi. Tow your giant trailer. Oh, sweet Jesus, John. It's like $200 to fill that thing up. Yeah. I'm like, cr- I'm crying. Like I'm at yeah. the gas pump. I'm crying. But I go down the Bellingham to fill up and it's like 60 cents cheaper a liter. So yeah. I feel good. Uh, so $200 or $150 per tank compared to $7. Yeah. Sign me up. Right. Yeah. So you had no problem finding the chargers. No. And as I got closer to Seattle, they became more frequent. Yes. So literally like every... 10 or 20 miles, there'd be another charger. And through the app, it was easy to find. Very easy. And the nice thing in the app is you can actually favorite them. So you can actually have these sort of spots and you can zoom in on, it's got a little mapping tool and you can sort of see what's nearby. So yeah. you're like, oh, I'm going to go to Walmart or I'm going to go to this brew pub and hang out there while I'm charging. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you had no range anxiety? None. None. No. no. If anything, like I was nervous before I went, but then when I, when I realized how plentiful these places were yep. and, and I never had to, there was only one time I actually had to wait and that was because we went to Renton and there's a Target and a whole bunch of other stores right there and there's the chargers right in the Target parking lot. Something I'd never seen, a semi-trailer or semi-truck without a trailer. Oh yeah, you sent me a picture like a giant rig. A, like, a, a, like a rig was charging and he kind of had to block a couple of the spots to get his his rig in. Yeah. Which was kind of unfortunate because he was blocking like two chargers. Yeah. And so there was only one other charger free. And so I, I had to wait for the guy that was using that. But he literally like got in his car like five seconds after I arrived. So I didn't have to wait very long. But I got, I, I actually chatted with the truck driver. I'm like, what kind of range do you get? And how long does it take you to charge? He gets about 150 miles fully loaded yeah. like with a trailer and, and product, I guess, um, which isn't very much. No, you and it takes charging all the time. Well, it takes them three hours to charge it up from zero to full. That can't be that efficient, John. Well, I'm what I'm thinking is because Renton, where we were in Renton, is right by Boeing Field and yeah. all that stuff. I'm thinking he's just moving stuff around, you know, locally uh, between warehouses or something like that. Because the next day I went back to the same charger and there was a different tractor there, a uh, semi truck there. So that's a that's a challenge, I think, for the future, John. Because uh, my next truck, because uh, I'm never, I don't want to pay for gas again, is going to be an electric truck. Yeah. Uh, but these chargers that they have now, I look at a lot of them. They're in these malls and strip malls. There's no way yeah. you can get a big semi in there. No way that you're going to get a lot of these giant trucks. And if you're towing something like a trailer or a boat, you would have to unhook that. Well, that's the thing is he both times those trucks didn't have trailers with them. Yeah, so that that is highly inefficient right now. Yeah. Well, good to hear that uh, you didn't run out of steam. No, no, it was no. it was quite a good experience. I'm looking forward to going to Portland maybe this summer. Love it. When we come back from the break here on Get Connected, we're going to go way back, back to the 80s, the glorious days of the golden age of video gaming. You're listening to Get Connected back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Eggerbo here with John Beeler. It's time to go back to 1983, John. I call it the glory days of video gaming. Had the uh, the Atari video game consoles and television. Uh, and another, maybe not as well known, but it was pretty cool back then, was the Vectrex. Yeah. I. This was has to be probably my all-time favorite home video game console. It reminds me of... Uh, the first Macintosh computers in, in its look, uh, except it's black. Right. 
Yeah. And so it had a built-in screen. A vector CRT. So, so basically like, an oscilloscope. Yeah. So a vector, if you don't know what that means, uh, if you remember like uh, Asteroids, the game Asteroids, how it was just kind of, you know, outlines of the asteroids and yeah. your little spaceship or lunar lander or, you know, Battle Zone. Battle Zone is a, a great example of that, which were amazing games back in the day. And they still are. Like, I still love playing those games. But Vectrex had that screen built right in, and it was just amazing. The joystick was built in. You could get another joystick. And then they had these uh, special uh, uh, sheets. Mylar sheets. Mylar sheets. Pl- plastic sheets that were um, had printing on them in color. So you put the Mylar sheet there's like a little groove on the Vectrex. Onto the screen. And then it would basically change this, the color of the light very cheaply. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you're not going to think it's a color TV in, in any stretch, but it was just a really nice little added touch um, because kind of like, you know, remember the old arcade games at the time, they had these really graphic bezels that would have things like the instructions on how to play, what the buttons are, all that kind of stuff, yeah. um, as well as really nice artwork. That's what these had. So it would actually tell you what the buttons did on your controller because yeah. you have it's a joystick with four buttons basically each controller and so they were they were really fun but you know unfortunately they it didn't last very long no it was a fairly expensive console for the time and because well, it had the screen built in right and nothing like that there was nothing like that and there was only about 20 games for it yeah and the um then the video game crash happened yes so a lot of these were made uh, not a lot were purchased. Yeah, I got mine on clearance at the tail end of its back in the eighties. In its heyday, yeah. yeah. And you kept it. I actually don't have that original one anymore, okay. unfortunately, because I've moved across country a few times. But, um, but I ended up going to a thrift store and I got one there that clearly some mother had cleared out a closet and just dumped it all at the store. Yeah. Um. So I bought it and How I much? remember twenty thirty bucks. God, I hate you. Because now. They're they're going for well over a thousand US on eBay. Isn't that insane? Yeah. So, but something I came across a little while ago, and we mentioned it on the show a few weeks ago, I think, um, was something called Pytrex. Um, so I, I subscribe to this website called Tindy.com, and it's basically for nerdy th- gadgets and toys and DIY projects and that kind of stuff. And they were featuring something called the Pytrex. And what this is, is it's basically somebody in Australia has uh, designed a custom uh, cartridge for the Vectrex that allows you to um, play all the original games, kind of like a multi-cart, but also to do other things, which I thought was really kind of cool. There's a lot of people that are still designing games for this console. And there's a huge homebrew community. And there's also some really interesting emulators that you can run on this particular device. And so you're actually able to get the original arcade ROMs for like Battlezone, Star Wars, the original arcade game, and a few other um, sort of famous games from the time. And you can run them natively on the Vectrex. It's all on that one cartridge. Yeah. And how do you get them on the cartridge? Again? Well, it, the cartridge has uh, a little um, sort of, it's called a GPIO port on the top, and you actually plug a Raspberry Pi Zero into it. And that's just like a tiny little computer board the size of like a... It's like half the size of a credit card. Yeah. And it has a SD card on it, and you just put the games in a folder there, and then it launches them. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm just holding it in my hand here. So it looks just like one of the other cartridges, but just with a little computer board attached to it. Yeah, a little sort of exposed circuit board on it. Um, but I was really impressed that it just worked when I plugged it in. Like, I didn't have to do much 
to get it going. I just had to download an image of files from the Pytrex site. They have it all linked on on their on their site, and I just followed the instructions, put it on an SD card, plugged it into the the cartridge, plugged the cartridge into the Vectrex, turn it on, and then it came to life and it has this really nice little loading screen and it and it says Pytrex and then you have a little menu and you can navigate to whatever games you want to play. Why do you think we're still so fascinated with all these retro games, John? I mean, the games now are just like one a million times better, like graphically. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that I find about it, I mean, part of it is nostalgia. Yes. I mean, because in our formative years, we were playing these games. We spent a lot of time on it. We had no notion of Call of Duty or other types of crazy games out there. Um, but what was always struck me with some of these retro games is that the gameplay came first because graphics certainly didn't. No, so you had to use your imagination. You use your imagination. and But some of these games are still really fun to play, even today. It's funny. One of the games on there is Lunar Lander. Yeah. That's actually in my Tesla now. <laughs> I had my parents, I was driving them, we we're going for lunch and I had to wait while well, my wife went to, to the drugstore. So I was in the car and I decided to load up the arcade and it had Lunar Lander. So I, I could use the steering wheel on the controls to, <laughs> to control the little lander. And my parents were like, what is that? I'm like, that's the first video game I ever played. And it was like a video game console at the Kmart near right. me. And it was like magical, John. Yeah. It was magical. And now you've got it on your Vectrex. I got it on my Tesla. Yeah. We can like uh, maybe have a competition. Practice for when we're going to the moon. Exactly. We're going to have to take another break. More tech to talk when we get back. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Don't forget to listen to our sister show, The App Show. It is on every Sunday on the Chorus Radio Network across the country, and it's on Saturday nights in Toronto. On uh, this weekend's show, we are going to be talking about the fight to save video game history. We've got uh, one of our friends, Victor Lucas, who will be coming in to chat about that. And also the new Steam Deck. This is a highly powered portable gaming machine. It's got kind of the same power that like a lot of computers would have. Like a full desktop gaming machine. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so that's been, you know, for anyone in the gaming world or video games, they want this thing. And, you know, even if you're not into video gaming, you should just tune in just to hear what this thing can do. It's... Uh, pretty crazy and uh, we will also be talking about hotel key card apps john went on a trip recently down the states and uh, a lot of these hotels now you can basically use apps to lock to get into your hotel yeah your phone becomes your key what's the downside of that well we're going to tell you so you'll have to tune in want to thank everyone who helps put the show together john and robin we'll see you again next time